Heavenly Father, we each know what it means to be in times of need and even uncertainty and even apparent desperation. And this little family right now is facing a time of uncertainty, even though we can see that at least things look better than than they may have a few minutes ago. Would you bless Allison and the whole family as they go from this place? Any uncertainty that they have, any fear that they have, particularly little Chloe, would you meet her in that place of being afraid? Holy Spirit, come. We ask your blessing. Uh, and whatever it is that, that has led to this, um, as, as Elaine was saying, there's low blood, blood pressure and, and dizziness. We pray that it would just be something that is recovered from quickly. We ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. So, one desert father asked another desert father, he said, tell me how to become a monk. And what he meant by monk was like a specialist. You're a monk, you're a monastic, and I'd like to become one. What are the qualifications? And he was expecting back the kind of answer of, you've got to do these seven things and you've got to become an expert in this. Tell me how to become a monk. And the old man said, if you want to find rest in this life and in the next, say at every turn, who am I? And judge no other person. That's the full answer he gave. An old man, when, and in the de- sayings of the Desert Fathers, when it says an old man, it tends to mean a desert father. An old man said, Judge not the adulterer if you are chaste, or you will break the law of God likewise. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Judge not. It's easy in this life, whether you're Christian or not, whether you're religious or not, to be driven by the negative, to be aware of what's wrong in the world and what's missing. And even on a day-to-day basis, to kind of see how other people are in some ways frustrating. As we look at Christian mission in our time together this spring, uh, we ask ourselves, how will people know that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world? As our faith says, how are we to approach others and how are we to demonstrate this faith and truth? I mentioned a couple weeks ago that in, ni- in the 1930s in Europe, it wasn't the first time this happened, but certainly in, the re- in recent history, in the 1930s in Europe, the influence of the church was waning. And so a number of church leaders got together and said, what will be a point of contact with which we can connect with the culture? And the thing that was decided upon was guilt. People feel kind of bad, and people are at times kind of bad. Everybody's a sinner. And so that was used to basically connect with people. It's the idea that something is missing and something is wrong, and to be sure there is plenty of wrong, and we ought to work for the good. We ought not to hide things that can be fixed. I don't mean we should expose somebody else's difficulty, but there are times in the history of the church, right, where the church has covered up the sins of the church while apparently calling out the sins of other people. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And there are generations of people who have walked away from the church just for that reason. You're covering up your own sins and telling us that you're supposed to call out ours. In our reading 
for this morning in the message version. This is the frustration. It has to do with religious ceremony and law. There's a group of people who are telling a group of new Christians, you have to do all these things exactly like this, and if you don't, you're unacceptable. And in this writing, Paul is speaking about his frustration with that. I'm done with that, he says. And in the message version it says, it is about what God is doing. And he is creating something totally new, a free life. Or as scripture says, if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. In this book of Galatians, what had happened, and you can pick it up if you flip through the book of Galatians and look at other chapters where they start, other verses. The question that's here is, what has happened to you people who started with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, this call to live in freedom, and you become imprisoned again? So there's a line in the book that says, or a question that says, who has bewitched you? Isn't that a great line? Who has come to you and put all these other expectations upon you that really prevents you from seeing the love and power of Jesus Christ? Why have you enslaved yourselves again? Burdens were being put on people that were about external living, not about understanding that God was working. It's not enough in our, this is kind of my point for this morning, you can talk about it later if you stay, it's not enough to consider what is missing and what is wrong in the world. We will not speak the Christian truth in this world being driven by the question anymore, what is wrong? The question as we move forward will be, Where is God's love in Jesus Christ evidence? In my life, in the life of that other person, even in the life of that other person who doesn't claim the name of Jesus Christ. Romans 6. So I'm growing up and I come to faith. And I've told you before, my coming to faith was a little bit kind of charismatic in a way, which is awesome. I love that. Because now I can count myself in that camp too, right? visions of Jesus and all this stuff. I wasn't, I didn't become a Christian at a place where somebody at camp was kind of, and I did that later. But one of the things that I picked up later after I became a Christian was really delving into the word and people teaching me. And they did things like I told you, the Romans road, Romans 3 and Romans 6. And so you know this, for the wages of sin is death. And that was always, I'm not saying they meant to do this, but I picked up that first thing as the emphasis. The wages of sin is death. But the next part, it was said, but it didn't seem to have the emphasis of the first. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our evangelism in the next years, decades, and it's going to take a shift, is going to be driven more by the second half of that verse than the first. To help people see that the gift of God is eternal life. Not to start with the problem. Jesus Christ is pre-existent. He is before our sin. Romans 3.23. You know the verse 2, right? Those who memorize scripture. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I memorized that as a young person. Verse 24 wasn't emphasized as much to me. And all are justified freely by his grace. And I was told that the first all meant all, but the second all didn't mean all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace. I'm not making a salvation statement again. I'm just telling you that as a young person growing up, it was evident to me that the first all meant all, and the second was not really emphasized. In the New Testament, this concept of stand firm, 
And that's going to come up over and over again in Galatians. You should stand firm. And so how I picked that up growing up was a sense of stand firm against sin, right? And so sometimes as Christians, we can think that stand firm means, okay, the world is going in a particular direction, maybe on social issues, whatever it might be. So we have to stand firm because that's, that's actually like 80% of the time not what the New Testament is talking about when it says stand firm. Read it. And in Galatians, the stand firm is always saying, look, you started with freedom in Jesus Christ, and now a bunch of people have come in and put a bunch of rules over top of you. Stand firm against that. Honestly, that's the stand firm. In Romans, it talks about Christians who are mature and Christians who are immature. And you know who the mature ones are? The ones who don't have to live their faith by external rules and ceremony all the time says, those of us who are mature. And now it says, should love those others, should bear with them. But maturity is not kind of the most aggressive, legalistic person. That's the least mature. We ought to love them. Christian mission is often guided by what is wrong. But... Uh, It should be guided instead by who God is, who Jesus Christ is. So I'm not saying it's always wrong. I'm just saying I think the tags for how we'll speak this faith will become more positive than negative. One of the tags that I picked up growing up was this concept of the lost, right? Now when Jesus says, I've come to seek and save those who were lost, it's in the context, there's a few conversations like this, where he's saying to religious people who are judging others, they're saying, like, why are those sinners coming to be with you? And remember, he says things like, I didn't come to heal those who are healthy, but to heal the sick, to seek and save those who are lost. It actually wasn't in the context of, take a look at everybody else, they're all lost and you're all found. It was much more compassionate than that. And I don't think our evangelism in the next decades will be guided as much by that. We live in a fallen world, that is true, but it's not the biggest truth. The biggest truth is that the presence of Jesus Christ is here in this fallen world and will be victorious and is victorious in him. It's so easy to be guided by what is wrong. The first truth before whatever is wrong with that other person that you're thinking about, which isn't it interesting, you're always think, often thinking about what's wrong with the other person. The first truth is that God loves you and he loves your neighbor. And this is fully demonstrated in Jesus Christ. You can think of it in a small way. So you start your day, and sometimes it doesn't matter how beautiful it is out. Um, I think of the U2 line in an old song that says, Some sunny days I wish it was raining. Because your mood. (laughs) Where you're like, oh no, it's sunny. That doesn't match. Well, so even some sunny days, you can get up and just be like, oh. And you know, don't you? I'm not castigating castigating you for this. I do the same thing. You know that you're missing so much when you don't see the life in the world. It's easy just with something like the weather. But what about with other people? How can you be present for someone if what you're thinking about most is what's missing in them? Would you ever want somebody to treat you like that? I was in a coffee shop early this morning, an unnamed coffee shop. 
And in this particular place where you get your coffee is kind of narrow. And so there's that little frustrating dance you do with the other people there. You try to figure out who's waiting for their coffee at the bar, who's in line behind you. Is, and this place is really like that. And so I walked in, and it was a little like that. And a man was walking behind me. I was really glad I got in front of him first. We were both headed to the coffee shop, you know, like, like this. And I'm like, I'm going to walk faster than him. So that, and it was good because there was quite a long lineup early this morning. And uh, we walk in. He's right behind me, too close. He was too aggressive. I didn't like him at all. Just kidding. But anyway, he was very close. And uh, we walk in, and we can't quite get to where it is to order the coffee because there's people there, and there's a, a guy standing there with a giant stroller like one of these with the full wheels, like you can off-road with it and stuff like that. And it looks like, and I can't, nobody can get by him. But me and this gentleman behind me, we need to get by him. And so I start to walk and squeeze into this little narrow space, trying to be as, you know, like not conspicuous. And, and this man with the stroller starts to move it, I thought. And so as he starts to move it this way, it gives me some room to go this way, right? But he wasn't moving it. He was just rocking the baby. And so when I went like this, now the stroller's there. Then when I went like that, now the stroller's there. And because I'm a Christian, I was very kind. But the man behind me is a non-believer. And he basically said, are you in line or what are you doing? This tiny little example. If I let my frustration guide me, I'll be like, what was wrong with that guy? And I wouldn't see that there's a young man there with his baby early in the morning, like 7.30 in the morning on a Sunday, probably didn't get a lot of sleep the night before. Come, Holy Spirit. This can be a terrible world, and people can be horrible. So can you. So can I. But if you look at the beauty of the day, and particularly the beauty of that other person, that's what's going to guide us in sharing our faith. That's a small way Our call is to see what God is doing. It's in this text. It's not me figuring out how to live the most acceptable life. That's not the energy of the Christian life. The energy of the Christian life is to consider, is it actually true that God might be working? And you'll be helped most by people who ask that question and can see that in the life of someone else. You're not driven by looking at that person thinking, what's wrong with them or what's their sin? You're driven by looking at them and saying, what does it mean that God is working in their lives? It doesn't mean you ignore sin, particularly your own. It's not your job to talk about theirs. But it's a different evangelical energy. All things are being made new in Jesus Christ. If we're guided instead by what is wrong, then we begin to see who is in and who is out and all these games that can be played. If we're guided instead by scripturally, all things are being made new in Jesus Christ and that he is the redeemer of all things, then we will ask the question, what does it mean that God is at work? You stop asking questions of acceptability. You're not compromising. Can you please stop that idea? But if I let this go, then I think I'm compromising. I always think when that's happening, like, you know, if I do that myself, like, is Jesus glad I'm on his team right now? That I'm standing up for truth? Just love. Listen for God's presence. We can help one another with that. 
It's such a difficult energy. And be gracious to the people around you, some who have been like socialized to some degree in a religious culture that can be guided by some of these more right and wrong questions. Because it's not easy. You don't want to attack them either, right? We want to give each other a better alternative. Something so much better. And it's like I feel like saying to some of you who maybe have had that way of seeing the world, there's something so much better. And we can see it in the midst. We were just talking with someone in our community today. Well, I'll give it away. It was Lucy Galpin. Lucy's not the youngest person here in this church. But she's being guided by this hopeful vision, making friends with neighbors and showing them the love of Jesus Christ. Now, if she approached that same neighbor in the way of what's wrong with them, there'd be plenty possibly to go with. But thanks be to God, there's something better. The Desert Fathers, again, as we end. To be the servant of all is not to look for the sins of others, but ever to look out for your own sins and to pray without ceasing. Isn't that a better alternative? God is working. It's Pentecost Sunday today. Do you know that? An Anglican thing. It marks the coming of the Holy Spirit. A power given to the church, to Christians, to live out this faith. And we say, come Holy Spirit. If you're not super great at being guided by the fact that God is working, and if you're not really good at being able to see God working, and you are driven more by like what's acceptable and what's not, and what should I do today, you know, what's if if you need to develop that kind of strength to walk out in the morning and go, God is working in this world and in that person's life, if you haven't kind of developed those spiritual muscles, then you need to do some things. I'm looking at Claudia because Claudia comes here most mornings and prays. You, especially on Saturday mornings, you can come. And Claudia is really good at this, not to, you know, make your ego big or anything. But Claudia is really good at seeing God's work in the world. Really, really good. And if you need to be helped with that, show up on a Saturday morning here and just pray with Claudia. I guarantee you, you'll grow in it. Our Christian mission in the future will be guided more and more and more, not by what is wrong, but by how God is so good and loving and just. Amen. Let me pray, and then we'll do a couple songs, and then you can go to the discussion groups. We've got James... Lois, myself, and Keith leading groups, or you're welcome to leave. We'll take the offering during the final songs. Thank you very much. Let's pray. Come, Heavenly Father, and teach us and guide us. We seek not to compromise, of course. It's so, it's almost like pathetic to, we seek to love you. And Father, would you forgive us even for the judgment sometimes within our own families? We can treat even those closest to us, as if they're not quite measuring up enough for you, God. Help us to be guided instead by knowing your power and your presence and your call for each of our lives. Bless us in this church. Help us to grow in this. We thank you for one another. We're so blessed to have one another. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.